weird with microphones and things like that, but uh, <laughs> it's because I don't have a beard. Um, so most of you know the last time I was up here, it was kind of a rough day for me. Um, I got really sick, and through that, um, just this journey that I wasn't intending to um, even really be a part of, God did. Um, I ended up in the hospital after I preached, and it led into this 12 weeks of sabbatical that, uh, like I said, never thought that um, that would be me, but it was, it was kind of amazing what God did in this time. And I remember, I remember that Sunday, and I thought, Lord, I've never felt your presence on me so much, but yet I feel so awful. What is going on? And I remember I was in the hospital for three days after that. And I just remember God just talking to me. He was like, you better prepare because what's about to happen is going to be big. And I'm just like, wow, okay. And uh, the next week, Pastor Michael's like, you know what? You don't have to go to church. Um, Just kind of take a break. And that really bothered me because I'm like, I want to go to church. I want to be there. I want to be a part of it. But what God said is, why do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to be a part of it because you want to be doing what I want you to do? Or do you want to be a part of it because you're afraid you're not going to be seen? And I'm going to be honest this morning. It's really hard because God said, I want you to bury your soul because someone needs to hear this. And so I spent the next few days just like wallowing in self-pity. Like, like they don't even want me there. Like now, now I'm not even going to be there because I got sick. I mean, literally, this is the stuff that the enemy is just like, and I'm feeding into it. I'm just taking it like, just like, just like, yes. This is true. They don't want me there. I'm not even needed there. Just all of these things. And then I was on the phone with my mentor and friend that Saturday. And as she was talking, I looked outside my window, and there was these three trees out there. And on both sides, there was these two trees that they were full of life. It's springtime. There's this new life coming in, and the leaves are beautiful, and, and there's flowers blooming. And it was just, I was attracted to them, and I kept staring right into them. And I'm like, wow pretty. Then there was one in the middle, and it had some leaves. It didn't really look as, as bright and vibrant. It wasn't as, as appealing as these two on the side, and, and Holy Spirit said, Jairus, you're that tree right there. You're surrounded by all this new life. You're surrounded by all these amazing things that's happening, and, and you're seeing them, and, and you're being kind of a part of it, but you're not really growing in it. You're so distracted by by everything else around you. You're so distracted by by what others might think or that you might not be seen that that you're not letting me grow you. You're not letting me bring this new life into you that I want to bring. And I have something great for you. You just got to take it. And I was broken, you guys. Broken. And I remember at that same moment as Holy Spirit's talking, my mentor's like, I think you might want to take a sabbatical. Holy, God has just really been talking to me. I think you need to step back and re, just really kind of examine yourself. And at first, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But then I thought, I got so busy doing ministry. I got so busy making sure I had all the plans set. I, I got so busy thinking, oh, people need Jesus, that I lost my focus on Jesus. I realized that, that my first love wasn't Jesus anymore. It was ministry. And it was hard. Because, you know, you think, well, I'm doing ministry. I'm doing God's work, right? That's the right thing to do. No. I loved the attention. (laughs) I loved what what ministry made me feel. 
And Holy Spirit's like, that's not, that's not the point. And so as Pastor Michael's been talking about this revival family, it's been, it's been amazing for me because I've been reminded why we're really doing this. And I thought, God, your timing is, it just never ceases to amaze me, just the things that you do and why you do it. And I think of Acts chapter two and, and really just this picture that's painted for us as followers that literally we can do life together. And that's the normal thing, you guys. That's, that's the cool part is doing life together is the normal part. It's not normal for us just to kind of talk every now and then. I mean, it's normal to do life together. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. So, like, it's just really cool that this is what God has painted for us, that, that these people, they wanted change in their world. They wanted people to love Jesus. So they just, let's just do life together. It makes it easier, right? You're struggling here? Well, hey, I got plenty of this, so let's help each other, right? Like, that's, that's the point of all of this. And so I think of all this, and as God was like, you just need to refocus. Step back and refocus. First five weeks of the sabbatical, you guys, awful. Awful. I fought, I fought, I fought. I remember sitting so many days, like, thinking, I'm not even going to do ministry. You know what? I'm just going to call Michael right now and say I'm done with ministry, that it's just not my thing, that Neil and I just missed the mark, that we missed the call, that maybe we were just supposed to stay in St. Louis this whole time. I mean, all these things are, are playing in my mind for the first five weeks. I mean, just, it was awful. And I remember one Saturday, I woke up and I said, I grabbed my Bible and I grabbed my journal, and I had three different color pins. And I sat down at my table, and I said, God, I am not leaving this table until I hear from you. I'm not going to get up until you talk to me and you tell me what you want from me, God. I'm not moving. And the first half hour was horrible, because <laughs> it was silent. <laughs> it was so quiet. And as it was quiet, I, I remember just saying, there, Lord, I don't feel worthy. Jesus, I don't even know how you could love me because I've made such a mess of everything. I seem to be professional messer-upper, Jesus. How can you love me? Lord, I've been in ministry for how long and how many lives have I really affected? I mean, all these things for a half hour just finally, and I'm just like, Lord, I need to be reminded why you love me. I just need to be reminded. And so I'm going to share with you guys this journal entry, and it's really personal. And I was like, Lord, do I really have to share it? But he said yes, so I'm going to share it with you. Um, and as I was writing, like I said, you can see all the colors. They represent Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as they were talking. So I want to read it to you. Good morning, my girl. It's been a while since you have listened for me. I have so much for you, Jairus, but you have allowed other voices to come in between us. You are trusting the lies. You are living hopeless. You are living in death. Come back to me. Come back to the fellowship I have for you. I love you more deeply than you know, and I don't see your mistakes. I don't see where you're lacking. I don't see the fat. I don't see your lack of education. I don't see anything but my beautiful daughter who is fearfully and wonderfully made. I see my creation and it's good. I see my daughter who I've set apart for great things. But you have to stop going back and forth in your faith. You have to dig deeper because we have so much for you, Jairus. 
I will never leave. I will never not be there for you and you will never not be enough. I will never abandon you. I died for you. I made a way for you because I know you are worth it. I want more of your time. Listen when I speak. When I correct you, embrace it. Let it sink in. I created you. I created you to have a relationship with me. Get into my word. Let it speak to you. Let it speak through you and let it strengthen you. Let it change your heart and transform your mind. Let me love you. Accept my love for you because it is what it is. It's a free gift, Jairus, and I gave it to you. I loved you first, not because you loved me, but because my Father and I are love. Become my love. And this is the part, you guys, that really got me. Stop tearing others down who are living in, what I, in my love because of jealousy. Let my love change you. you. So you stop living in the circles of jealousy and not being enough. It's not about what you do, Jairus. It's not about you. It's about me and letting me change you into the person you need to be to do my work. Remember, I have a plan for you, and it doesn't look like anyone else's plan, so there's no reason for jealousy. I am big enough for everyone, and I know you've been hurt. I know you feel unseen and unimportant, but Jairus, I see you, and you are so important to me that I died and was beaten for you. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not unseen. You have a great plan and purpose. We're just waiting for you to trust us. Stop looking back. Get into the boat and untie it from the dock and lean on us. There will be rough waters, but remember, I walk on water and I will be there every moment with you. Jairus, there is not a moment of your life that is a surprise. You have to trust that. I don't want to harm you. I want joy for you, and I want you to take that joy to others. You can't give what you don't have. I came so that you can have peace that surpasses all understanding, so that joy can be your life and your default no matter the circumstances. Stop letting storms and trials shake your faith. Your faith doesn't come from situations, but it comes from the solid foundation that can't be shaken. Remember that I showed you how to live in the trials I have overcome this world. Just live in my love for you. And know that these trials are just for a time, sweet Jairus. And I'm using them to teach you to trust. When you feel weak, call upon us and we will come. We are with you and I live in you, but I can't do that if you don't keep a holy life. Stay holy. You are on a line right now and you can go either way. Please stay focused and do not lose sight. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jairus, I came to give you an abundant life, so live in it. You are my rock, God, was my reply to him. And he said, be my love, Jairus. As I love you, show that love. And I am so proud of you. And here's the one that got me. I love you. And it was signed by Jesus. Here's what I found out. It was easy for me to accept God's love. It was easy for me to accept Holy Spirit's love for me. They made sense to me. God created me. Of course he's going to love me, right? Like there's not a parent here this morning that you don't love your kid fully, right? Holy Spirit lives in me. So I got that. He's, he's a part of my life. But Jesus, I just didn't understand it. 
Because I've, I've never done anything for Jesus. I've never done anything to deserve that love. So honestly, I didn't understand how Jesus could love me. I could, I could understand why he would love April. I could understand why he would love Missy. I could understand why he would love Neil. But I could not understand why he would love me. And guys, remember, I've been in ministry for 10 years. And I'm just realizing that, hey, I've never really accepted the fact that Jesus loves me. Right? I never accepted it. And so in the middle of my kitchen, ugly crying, sobbing, like snot everywhere, disgusting cry, because I just realized how much Jesus loves me. He doesn't just love you guys. He really loves me. It was crazy. And I share all this this morning because sometimes our perception of Jesus is so off. Sometimes we see him as unattainable. I mean, guys, that's really what it was. I just thought he was just unattainable for me. Like, he's, he's really amazing. And I love reading about him. And I love understanding his love for people. But I didn't think that that love extended to me. And so this morning, part of being in this revival family and part of just doing life together is being able to call up someone and saying, hey, I'm really struggling with understanding today. I'm really struggling with understanding that Jesus loves me because, guys, I felt like I was isolated. I felt like I couldn't just call my pastor and be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> I don't think Jesus loves me. I mean, like, that's how I felt, and that's what the enemy wanted. He wants us to feel isolated, like we don't have anywhere to go, that, that we're just kind of stuck here. But part of a revival family is that we can just call each other and say, hey, I kind of missed the mark, or I don't get this, and know that there's going to be no judgment that we're just gonna encourage each other, that we're gonna live this life together. Like that's the most amazing part of this whole thing that I've learned that I'm not in this alone. That's the part of this revival family and how amazing is it that God is letting us be a part of that. That we can live in this kind of freedom. And so I've always related with Mary and Martha, always. I don't, I don't know why, because I guess I can feel like sometimes I'm a Mary and sometimes I'm Martha. It just depends. But um, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 38 and 40. And it says this, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem fair that you, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. I laugh at this, because like, Martha had a bit of an attitude, didn't she? I mean, a little, a little bit, right? She's like, Lord, don't you see me in here busting my buns, cooking dinner? My sister's just sitting there on the floor. Like, come on. Like, I just, I laugh at that, because how often do we do that, you guys? We're like, hey, we're going to do a really nice thing, but then we're just going to be grumpy the whole time about it. Like, been there, guilty. <laughs> I think about this, and like, this isn't the first time that Mary and Martha had encountered Jesus, right? This isn't the first time that they kind of had an instance with Jesus. At one point, their brother Lazarus was sick, right? And so they called for Jesus and was like, hey, 
you need to come because our brother's sick and dying and we know you can heal him, so could you please come? So here comes Jesus after he died, and Mary and Martha, I'm sure, were just like, oh, Lord, I know that you had, you had a lot going on, so I understand that you didn't make it here in time. Lazarus is gone now, and uh, we're really sad about it. No! They were mad! They're like, you took your good time, Jesus! If you would've came earlier, our brother would be alive! Like, really? You guys were friends! You save all these other people, but you can't save him? Like, really? Isn't that their attitude? How many times have we done that with Jesus? Right? Where we're like, Jesus, you've helped this person and this person and this person, but what, I'm not good enough to help, really? Done it. We've all done it. But our perception of Jesus was off. Because what did he end up doing? He ended up bringing him back to life. He did something even bigger than just healing his sickness. He rose him from the dead to prove his sovereignty. So maybe there are things in our life that we're going through that God says, yeah, I see you in that situation. I have not forgotten you. I have not left you. But there's something bigger that you might not see right now. So hold out for the outcome that I have planned for you. Don't worry about the outcome you want. My outcome is so much better. It's just amazing. That's our God. That's how he works. It's really good stuff, you guys. And if that was even the last part of it, go back to the chapter 10 here. <laughs> so Martha's in the, in the kitchen and she's cooking. I bet she's banging pots and pans so everyone knows she's in there cooking, right? Because women, we've done it before, right? Where you're like in there watching football and I'm in here cooking and uh, you want people to know, right? Like, so that's what she's doing. And then when she just can't take it anymore, she goes out there and was like, okay, had enough. Jesus, <laughs> I'm cooking you this food. And she's just sitting here staring at you. Could you please tell her to get up and help me? I, <laughs> I just laugh. This is how I, how I talk with Jesus when I read the word, by the way. Like, this is, this is how I begin to understand it. <laughs> so what does Jesus say? Does Jesus say, okay, Mary, get up, your sister's right, go on? No, that's not what he says. Verse 41, he says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all the details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. I think that's awesome. Jesus is saying, Martha, you're worried about all these details about a dinner. You're worried about food that, that's gonna last for just a little bit of time. Your sister is sitting here at my feet wanting more of a food, a filling that will never be taken from her, something that will go with her far beyond this meal. So Martha, stop paying attention to these details over here that you think you can control and come join your sister at my feet because I have something better for you. That's what Jesus was saying. How often in our situations, you guys, do we sit there and we're like focused on one minor detail? And we're like, Lord, it shouldn't be like this. It's not fair. It's too hard. Ugh. And Jesus is like, you're missing it. And I'm not, don't take me wrong, those feelings are, are perfectly normal. But don't dwell in them. Don't live in that area because that's where the enemy comes in. That's what happened to me. 
I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't look right. I don't fit the part. I mean, all these things. And I stayed in there too long. Jesus is saying, come sit at my feet. I have something big for you. And the amazing thing is that God has a big plan for each of our lives. It's not just the pastors and leaders. He has something big and important for each person in this room. And your big and important is not going to look like my big and important are April's. But you're still just as important. In this revival family, each person in this room matters. Each person in this room plays a part in changing the whole community. It's not going to be just the ministers here. It's everybody. It takes all of us working together to change Louisville. Jesus didn't say, well, this good stuff over here, this ministry stuff, it's just for the pastors. You guys, I have something different for you. Just give me a minute. No, he said, come on. This is for everybody. That's what this revival family is about. All of us using the gifts that God has given us, even outside of the church. It's, it's crazy. So, as you know, this isn't the last time that uh, Mary encounters Jesus. There's another time, and, and I'm using all three of these times with Mary because each different time, she's in a different place in her life, right? She lost her brother. She didn't feel like cooking. <laughs> and then there's another time. She walks into this house where Jesus is. In John 12:3, it says, Mary took out 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the incense of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. So here's another time where Mary knows that she has to come right into Jesus' feet. She's like, I'm going to go in. And like, the crazy thing about this, she wasn't walking into a house where she was welcomed, right? She wasn't walking into a house where everyone's like, oh, come on in, Mary. You're more the merrier. Come on. No. She was an outcast. She was a sinner. She's like, people are like, eh, not her. Don't let her in. <laughs> Close the door. But the cool thing is, she didn't even pay attention to those people. Their words, their presence didn't matter. The only presence she was focused on was Jesus. And she said, I got it to Jesus because I'm ready to give him everything. Because that, that perfume... That was her um, spend later vacation money, save up for a rainy day kind of fun. That was her everything, you guys. So she came and she took her hair down, which is a no-no in that time. She takes her hair down and she puts the oil on Jesus' feet and she said, you know what? I have to give you the best I have. And this is the best I have, Lord. And it's yours. All of it, it's yours. Use it how you see fit, whatever you want. I'm all in. And that's what she did. In that moment, she did something that was personal and private and complete all at one time. See, it was personal because she remembers what it was like to have an encounter with Jesus when she was frustrated. Because she was really frustrated when when he showed up late, she thought, to Lazarus' death. She was hurt. She was confused. She didn't get it. So she remembered that encounter. But then, she's, she's, that's why it was personal, because then she said, you know what, I don't, that, that encounter doesn't matter anymore. It was private because it was just between her and her Savior. She didn't care who was around. 
She didn't care what anyone was going to think of her. Her mind was on Jesus, and she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship him and give him everything I have because it's about me and him. I don't care about those, what those people are going to think about me because, guys, I'm sure they were talking. I'm sure they were like, did she seriously just take her hair down? Did you guys just see her take her? She's taking her hair down. And, and this jar of perfume, whew, she's, she's breaking in, putting it on her. What is wrong with this? I mean, it was probably happening. She's like, I don't care. Because Jesus deserves my best. He deserves my all. Because he never gives me anything less. He has been there every step of the way. So you know what? I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it away. And that's what she did. See, guys, I think that something that, that we miss a lot of times in our, in our walk with Jesus is having those alabaster box moments with Jesus. And it's something that can happen more than once. Those, those moments where you just fall down and you say, Jesus, I'm broken. I don't get it. But this is everything I have. It's here. You take it. You use it however you see fit. God, take the ugly stuff. Make it good because you can because you're God. That's what you do. That's what we have to do. See, a couple years ago, I had a big alabaster box moment with Jesus. I lost my dad about two years ago. And I remember, as much as I have rejoiced and struggled, it's just been, it really just has been overwhelming. A couple days after my father had passed, I was sitting in the bedroom at their house and preparing to speak at my dad's funeral. And you never imagine at 30 years old that you're going to be talking about your dad. And I was, I was excited that he was with Jesus, but I was heartbroken. And I remember sitting there trying to think of the words, and I got so angry. I just started yelling. I, just was, I was like, I gave you my dad. I prayed for him every single day for hours and hours and hours. And he was supposed to be the miracle, Jesus. He was supposed to be the one you healed. You said that when people who believe in you ask for something, you will give it to them. So why not my dad? Why not my family? Why do I have to sit here and write a eulogy for my dad? Jesus, he loved you. He told people about you. Why him? Why I was, I was mad, so mad. But God, being the amazing dad that he is, he just began to speak to my heart. And he just said, Jairus, your dad didn't die because of cancer. Your dad died because his job was done. He got to come home and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. He did everything I placed him on that planet to do. There are people that are speaking about my goodness because your dad was faithful even through treatments. Guys, we had doctors coming to us telling us about how dad would just talk to them about Jesus during chemo. He would spend hours just praising God. Even when he got bad reports, he's like, God's got this. He had an effect on those people. God said, are you going to just trust me in this? You have an amazing platform to go and share my truth with your family who wouldn't listen otherwise. Are you going to take it? Are you going to let go of the anger and the hurt and trust that this isn't a surprise to me? And I remember just sitting in my parents' bedroom and just crying like, Lord, it's yours. I'm broken. I don't know the words to speak, but God, I'm yours. 
And it's been a rough couple of years, but it's been amazing. God's amazing. And there are still people who talk about how my dad has changed their life for Jesus, and I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that opportunity, and it's actually kind of funny because today is my dad's family's family reunion. And uh, last week, whenever I was like, Michael had asked me if I'd preach, I was like, I should probably go to the family reunion. And God said, really? Remember the example I asked you to be two years ago? That's still in effect. I had Michael ask you for a reason. What are you going to do? That's how God is, you guys. He's faithful. He continues to teach. He continues to reach. He continues to use things. He takes those hard, ugly things and makes them into these beautiful things that you just get to worship him in. It's amazing. Do I miss my dad every single day? Every single day. But do you know how many times I think of him and I'm like, he really loved Jesus. And I'm excited for that. I had that alabaster box moment when I was sitting at my kitchen. And God just spoke so clearly to me. And it was in that moment that he said, now here's what I want you to do. You're going to take this youth group that, at River City Hope, and you're going to raise them up to be life changers. And not only that, the things that they're going to learn and they're going to be taught, it's going to go to generations and generations. I'm not going to stop just here. So see, once we get out of the way and we say, Jesus, here's everything, he makes something beautiful out of the ashes. It's just amazing how he does that. He takes these things that, that the enemy uses to take us down, and he says, I have something so much bigger. You just got to get down, lay it down, get at my feet, be in my presence. Let me speak new life into you. Stop being okay with just kind of being alive and let me flourish you. That's what we do. We get okay with just kind of having Jesus. We lose the, the, who Jesus really is. He's so much bigger, you guys. No matter the situation you're going through, he has something amazing for you. (laughs) If nothing else through this sabbatical that I learned, I learned that and I hold on to that truth every day. And guys, I miss the mark sometimes. I really do. (laughs) Quite often, ask my husband, he'll tell you. I miss the mark. But the amazing thing is, is that when I miss the mark, I have this savior that says, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. He comes and he loves on me and he says, I've got this. Be better. Remember next time how this feels and just don't do it again. He's loving. He's gracious. I share all this and and I'm just open and honest with you guys because we are a family and this is what we get to do. This past week was a really rough week. I messaged Tosh and was like, hey, can you talk? And she, she messaged me back. She's like, come to my house tonight. I'll make you dinner. Guys, they're in the middle of setting up their house. But she knew I needed her. And so she put that aside and said, hey, come on over. And it was amazing. We had a really good time. And I'm not saying that to build them up, but that's part of being a family. The enemy was starting to talk things into my mind. And out of nowhere, I got a random text from Pastor April that was just like every word I needed to hear. She was obedient, so she, that's a revival family. It's helping each other get through these these cloudy areas that we're just like, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel this way. I don't really, I don't really understand how Jesus fits into this situation. Who can I go to? 
Look around. Any person in here is a person that God says, call them. That's the revival family, you guys. And so, again, I share all of this. And we're just going to kind of close with this this morning. I thought it was really interesting how Logan kind of just threw that song in. And I had two different messages this morning that God's like, it could go either way. And as soon as that song played, I'm like, okay, (laughs) we'll go that way. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've read this, this really awesome story about this man named Jesus and all the amazing things that he does, and, and you've seen him work in other people's life, and, and you really think, you know, I really want that, and I, I can kind of, I can see where he's kind of worked in my life, and you never really understood why, why you didn't have as many praises as maybe the people around you, but maybe it was because you weren't fully allowing him to come in. Because guys, I was there. As much as I was rejoicing for the cool things that were happening for people, I would sit there and I'm like, God, why aren't these happening for me? And it really was that I was, I was the barrier. Maybe you're here this morning and God's just saying, let's break down that wall today. Let's get into that relationship that I have for you, this beautiful, great relationship that you can sit down at your kitchen table and literally hear them speak those true words to you. Because, guys, he desires to have those same conversations with you. This wasn't a conversation just for me. He's like, I want to talk to all my kids like that. That's our God. That's our Papa. That's what he does. I really didn't know where this was going to go. I've said this many times. I think one of the biggest things that the enemy uses against children of God is busyness. We get so busy and so involved in things that we lose the sight of why we're really involved in the first place. I think it's amazing the ministries that God is creating here at River City Hope Church, and and I think that everyone should be engaged but I think we need to be engaged because we know the reason why we're doing it. That we're doing it because we have Jesus. And we want to share this Jesus with lost people. But if you're doing it because you just think, well, the church is doing it, so I should be there. I'm part of the church. I should kind of do it, right? Maybe you need to examine some things. Because, guys, that's, that's where I was. I was, I was so desperate to fill this need that I was just grasping onto anything I could to try and fill it and the whole time God is like I have something amazing planned for you he literally had the youth group just sitting there for me to take but I was so busy with other ministry things that I didn't see what God had right there in front of me maybe that's you today you're just like I'm just trying to figure out where I fit in I want to be a part of this family. I want to get on board with this revival family thing. I just don't know how I fit in. Well, God today is saying, come, I'll tell you. I have a great plan for you, and I've placed you here to be a part of this family. Guys, it's so freeing.